Welcome to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us as Deb talks with her guests, experts in their fields, as they share real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. Good morning, good morning. I am Deb Creer, and I am passionate about working with professionals to show them how to use business tools to make themselves and their businesses very successful. And we're going to talk about something that's a little bit unique today. I'm not sure I've ever had a guest on talking about this, so it's going to be so much fun because we're all, including me, going to learn. So everybody, get ready. Get ready. We are going to learn today. So please join me in welcoming Sean Yusuf to the program. Good morning. It's a pleasure being here. Well, you know, this is going to be so much fun because we are talking about something that a lot of us, many of us, every one of us, I'm going to go, yeah, I'm going to be really bold here and say every single person can do this. It's a great way to make money. And whether you do it as something that's, you know, a little part or comes out to be your entire business, this is very cool. And I loved reading your book and we're going to obviously talk about that in detail. But this is going to be so much fun because we're going to to learn something that I think everyone can benefit from today. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, e-commerce is something that uh, obviously with the advance of technology and all the available resources and tools that we have now is something that uh, you know just about anyone can do as long as you have a working computer. Right. So before we jump right in, let me tell folks just a little bit about you. So Sean Yusuf is a Canadian engineer and entrepreneur. He served as an engineer consultant in the aerospace industry for 10 years, but his true passion is for e-commerce and entrepreneurship. Since 2007, Sean has helped clients launch, develop, and scale their online businesses. He's worked in a variety of roles from web developer to digital marketing consultant. In 2015, he wrote the book E-Commerce MVP, which teaches people how to start a minimum viable business. Today, he runs several e-commerce sites and provides consulting services to clients all over the world. So again, welcome. Yeah, I'm so excited to be here. Um, You know, this is something I have a a passion for and I love talking Mm -hmm. to people about it. Right. You know, and, and it's... It is very interesting to me, and, and um, you know, we, we mentioned the book, E-Commerce MVP. It walks you through step-by-step step how to be, uh, how to have an e-commerce business. But let's take a step back, because you're an engineer. How on earth did you decide that this was something that you wanted to transition into? Yeah, it's kind of a funny story. So, uh, so as you said, I, I graduated from school, and uh, my first job of all places, and I grew up in Montreal in Canada, mm-hmm. Uh, where it's really cold during the winter time, and mm-hmm. um, my first job of all places was in Little Rock, Arkansas. I got hired oh. as a design engineer for a small aerospace company out there. So my mm-hmm. wife and I moved out there, and you know, as I said, growing up in Canada, hockey is a passion of mine. Uh, except that hockey is a very expensive sport, and to give you an idea, right. when I was growing up, a hockey stick used to cost like twenty dollars, and that was a big deal. Uh, mm-hmm. And then by the time I got to college, they developed composite hockey sticks, which would range right. anywhere from 100 to $300. Now, mm-hmm. uh, there was a one particular stick that I was looking for that would cost uh, about $150, oh, sorry, $200. But when I moved to the U.S., um, I found that same stick on a website for less mm-hmm. than 50 bucks. So what ah. I did was I just started ordering a bunch of these, and then I realized mm-hmm. I had too many. So I put up right. on eBay – and they just started selling like crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, hey, you know, I could just start ordering a bunch of these hockey sticks and sell them on eBay. And I started right. doing just that. And mm-hmm. the funny thing was these hockey sticks that I would order, I'd order them in a box of like six or seven. The problem was mm-hmm. you get six or seven hockey sticks in one box. But when I shipped them, I had to ship them individually. So ah. the funny thing is my wife and I would go to Walmart at like midnight, collect mm-hmm. their boxes that they were discarding. Right. boxes out of duct tape or whatever we had to do and just ship them out the door. And I did this mm-hmm. for about a year. And that's really how I discovered what e-commerce was. Now, I love didn't it. have the tools and resources that we have today, but that's essentially how I got started in entrepreneurship. And just, it was a thrill of just, you know, uh, you know, it's called retail arbitrage where you buy something and sell it for a higher price, which people make a career out of today. But mm-hmm. that's how I got started. And then I started making a website and then somebody else asked me to make a website. So I started doing that. And just one thing led to another, and I just found that I have a passion for it. But all mm-hmm. places in the world, if I hadn't ended up in Little Rock, Arkansas, uh, I probably would have never gotten into the field. Right. You know, and it's not like Little Rock is the hub of hockey either. Yeah, exactly. I mean, we, we, there was a small rink there. There was about 30 of us that would play on a weekly basis. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, the funny thing is, it's just people in Canada for the same stick were paying $200 and I was buying it for 50 And right. all I was really doing is just getting them from one, one site and shipping them up to Canada. Um, mm-hmm. But again, as I said, you know, it's funny how life works out because uh, I went from, you know, minus 30 degrees Celsius to plus 40 in the summer and mm-hmm. I was selling hockey sticks. So it just goes to show that you never know where you'll find inspiration. Right. And it's funny because I have a friend back in Colorado who he's still in high school and he's been doing exactly what you say since he was a tiny little kid. And, you know, and and as I was reading your book, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I have to buy Jeremiah this book because he's very good at what he does. But I think we could nudge him a little bit further. Um, And so he started by going to garage sales with his grandmother and he would buy and he was little. I mean, we're talking five, six years old. He would buy toys that were brand new still in the box and you know of course we all know still in the box is the is the good part that's what really adds the the value to it he'd spend you know 50 cents to buy these toys it's a garage sale and he you know with the help and, and support of his parents of course he set up a site on ebay and he would would resell those toys and you know and, and he started doing that and then you know time passed he's you know been doing this for for quite a while he um my when we uh, moved from Denver to Atlanta, my husband had some old books that you know he just didn't want to to give away, you know, just completely give away to to Goodwill or something. And but they weren't anything that interested him anymore, so he gave them to Jeremiah, and he bartered and traded and sold that little box of books and ended up with a computer, you know. And and, and so we thought that was funny. And then when we saw him uh, not long ago over the holidays. He's, you know, he's now in high school and he has gotten into the, the, I'm going to say tennis shoe, but that's not really it because it's, you know, it's, it's much more than a tennis shoe, but the designer sneakers, whatever the heck they call those. And that morning he had bought a pair of shoes for $250. Now that just floored me. But while we were sitting having lunch, he was getting bids on his phone and he ended up reselling those shoes for over $600. Wow. And I mean, yeah, it was just, and, and this is something that he's done since he was little just to make extra money. And, and as I said, as I was reading your book, I'm thinking, wow, he really could turn this into something that would just be a phenomenal moneymaker. Yeah, I'm really glad you told me that story because one of the, the biggest mis- misconceptions out there is when someone wants to start a business, I often hear, I don't have anything to sell or right. I don't have money to buy inventory. And I think this is the perfect example of what people can do. In fact, I mm-hmm. mentioned this in the book where I say, if you, know, if you really don't want to invest in products, go to your local garage sale, go to, to a local thrift store and find products and just learn mm-hmm. to flip them. And right. the story of your nephew is perfect because uh, it just goes to show there's a path that most people take where they just find a product and they say, okay, like mm-hmm. I did with hockey sticks, he did with uh, with uh, items from a garage sale, like books, right? But what happens is eventually you kind of figure things out for yourself and you mm-hmm. end up finding a niche. So if you right. turn around and sold sneakers, now what's going to happen is that he can say, look, I want to be known as the authority on selling uh, you know, high-end sneakers I get them at a low price, and I flip them for considerably more. And right. that's just the path most people take. And so mm-hmm. I'll share another story with you is uh, I had a friend when I was uh, living in Seattle the last couple of years. Uh, she would buy these, like, pocket organizers. She bought one from a garage sale. Just She liked it. Um, and then she just didn't have a need for it, so she threw it up on eBay. And she, just mm-hmm. like your your nephew there is – um, you know, she paid a dollar for it and sold it for 50 bucks. It turns out like there was something special about this organizer and people collect ah. them. Um, mm-hmm. And this is a true story. So she found the same, she went back to the same person, found that they had a second one. So she bought that one again and sold mm-hmm. it again on eBay. And then she realized, hey, I'm onto something here. Right. So what she started doing was driving all over Seattle, collecting these pocket collectors, uh, these organizers. Mm-hmm. She bought them from thrift stores like Value Village, and she would right. pay three, four dollars for them and flip them on eBay for sixty, seventy bucks. Now, ah. To you and me, maybe a, 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 I wouldn't pay that much for an organizer because I don't have a need for it. But there right. are thousands of people out there mm-hmm. that are looking for this exact product. Now, mm-hmm. the crazy thing is, she was telling me she went to Las Vegas uh, a few months ago, and she went to a thrift store there. They had this very like kind of original looking organizer. She bought it for fifty bucks. Turns out this was some like collector's item. It was like a Ferrari edition, special leather. She mm-hmm. sold it on eBay for eight hundred dollars. 
Oh, oh. Exactly. So now she's really, um, you know, she's she's known as the person that sells organizers. And mm-hmm. we can talk about this a little bit later. But now she's sourcing her own products from China and wow. sta- uh, putting her label on it, like her, mm-hmm. with a brand name and selling those on eBay. But it started mm-hmm. off with just, you know, just as you were saying, with a small product that you buy from wherever you can find it. Um, and, and the key is really just, you know, experimenting with different things. And right. you just have to stumble upon your niche. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it wasn't until I was reading your book that it really occurred to me that, as you said, it doesn't have to be your own product, you know, something that you've created with your little hands and your little brain. Um, and because to me, that's always what e-commerce has been. You know, it's it's that I'm selling my product or my service, you know, whether it's, you know, that I'm a, a big store that has created something or, you know, it's, it's uh, uh, you know, something, you know, uh, arts and craft, anything like that. And it really, it, it reading your book opened up to me to the fact that it it does not have to be something that is mine. It is, you know, as we've been talking about, it, something that you resell or something that you've sourced out and, ma- and had made elsewhere and then you sell it. And I think that was what was so fascinating about this book. It was like, oh my, holy cow, look at all the options out there. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you look at Amazon, for example, you'll find, you know, there are millions of products on that site. And mm-hmm. sometimes it's the actual company that uh, that makes the product and sells it. But in most right. cases, it's just individuals who are using Amazon uh, services to basically mm-hmm. source a product, ship it to Amazon warehouses, and then Amazon fulfills it for them. Uh, right. Now, the thing is, that person could be me, it could be you, it could be some 13-year-old kid sitting in his basement, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's a shift because... You know, 15, 20 years ago, if you wanted to start a business, it would require you to purchase a lot of inventory. You'd have to find storage. There's a lot of fees and costs associated with starting a business. That's completely mm-hmm. changed today because anyone now, uh, it doesn't matter what situation you're in or who you are, can find a few products, ship them to Amazon and have them sell it. Or you can start mm-hmm. up a website. Again, in the past, if you wanted to open up a, a retail store, you'd have to invest in inventory. You're talking thousand dollars you'd have to pay for rent normally people charge you know at least one year's worth of rent Uh, you have Mm -hmm. to sign an agreement for one year that is so you're looking at a major investment so you're taking on Mm -hmm. a lot of risk and my book it's called the e-commerce mvp mvp Mm -hmm. stands for minimum viable product and that's a business model where basically you take the least amount of risk most mm-hmm. amount of money. That that doesn't mean you're going to turn around and become a millionaire the next day. What it means is right. you're going to spend a little bit of money, you're going to mitigate risk and try to turn mm-hmm. a profit from that. And once you mm-hmm. do that, you say, okay, now you pivot to the next step is how do I grow it? But the idea right. is you don't want to spend too much money. So I allocate a budget of, let's say, like $1,000. For mm-hmm. $1,000, you have to figure out a way to stretch every penny and find a way to basically sell a few products. And you do mm-hmm. it in a number of ways. But once you do that, and once you say, okay, hey, this is possible. I can make money. It's not that I did make money. It's I can make money. And mm-hmm. then you say, okay, now what's the next step? Now how do I grow it? But the idea right. is you don't want to take all that risk. You don't want to pay for a year's worth of rent. You don't want to invest in inventory until you know for certain that you can actually make money by selling a product. Right. And I like that concept of minimum because you're you're kind of doing some market testing, you know, is is your product even something somebody wants? You know, and and all of these things, but the the key is by doing and maybe it's the basics is is a, a way I want to put it. So you've got a website, but it's it doesn't have every single bell and whistle. You know, it's it, it, you do just enough to see if it's going to work. And then if it does, you increase it, you improve it, things like that. And I think that's one of the hardest things for a business person or an entrepreneur to get past is they want it to be every bell and whistle and you know every possible thing and have every bug worked out and yada, 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 yada. And, and you're saying that we don't have to do that. No, absolutely not. In fact, I have a saying, it's uh, you know those who, fa- uh, those who fail to plan, uh, plan to fail. Everyone's heard of that. But what I right. say mm-hmm. is, those who all they do is plan, all they do is fail. I right. mean, there are some people who just, like you said, they're looking for the perfect website, the perfect mm-hmm. product. Everything has to be perfect. Um, and, you know, there's a shift in mentality now because people are starting to realize that's not the case. And as mm-hmm. you said, you just, you do what's minimally, minimally viable. So mm-hmm. essentially, you know, the analogy is you throw a bunch of stuff on the wall and see what sticks. The right. idea is let your audience tell you what works and what doesn't. So 
-hmm. Pick 10 to 15 products if you can. See what's selling on eBay, Amazon. And then you might notice that, hey, you know what? These three items, they sell more than the other ones. So let me focus on that. And you narrow your field mm -hmm. out until you find your, pro your product niche. But as mm -hmm. you said, you, know, you cannot waste time uh, trying to figure out every little problem. The idea is uh, you just have to get up, get up and go and get started as quickly as possible. Mm -hmm. So you know, say somebody is thinking about doing this. The very first thing they're going to say is, but I don't even know how to run a business. So what steps should someone take? Um, well, you know, we have this thing that's called the internet. It's a great resource, um, you know, and I, I, you know, not just to promote my book, but in general, there are tons of great information out there. There's a lot of misinformation out there as well, but a, go, a great place to start is just watch a few YouTube videos. So okay. just to give you like a general outline of how you can get started, the first step is just find a product, any product, mm -hmm. right? And if you're serious about entrepreneurship, don't even worry about what the product is. Take anything you find in your house, a garage sale. Um, there's a rule of touch. So anything you touch 10 times in a day, uh, just keep track of it. Keep a spreadsheet and try to find a product. The next thing you want to do is create like a simple website. Um, mm -hmm. And then what you want to do is just try to get a few products. So you can do that, as I said, through a thrift store, through your garage. You can, if you want, import products through Alibaba, which we'll talk about later on. Mm -hmm. uh, create a website. You don't have to worry about you know registering your business or stuff right away. Just get started. All that stuff will fall into place. Um, once you have uh, a minimum viable website, and you can do that, we can even talk about that later on, is uh, you can mm -hmm. hire people to do it really cheap to build you a decent website. Um, right. And then just throw a little bit of advertising money on it. And, you know, we'll talk about these things, but just mm -hmm. throw a little bit of money at it and see if it can earn money for you. So the idea is find a product, put a business up, sell it on Etsy, Amazon, eBay, or through your own website, throw a little advertising dollars there. And if you make money, great, you move on. You, you, take, you go to step three, step four. If you don't, no problem. Go back to the basics, start all over again. But the idea mm -hmm. is if you're going to fail, fail fast, figure out it doesn't work, and just try again. Right. <clears throat> and fail for a minimal amount of money. I mean, you know, I believe that the stat is that every small, you know, one half of every of all small businesses fail within the first year. And there's, you know, clearly a, a, a many reasons for that. But some of it is that we, we plan too much or we don't plan enough. You know, we, we don't stop to think, well, maybe I do need to have a website or, you know, all of those various things. And, you know, again, in your book, you go through it step by step. And, and you know, you could probably do a little bit of the steps out of order. But, you know, for the most part, it is you do this and this and this. And, of course, you know, obviously the first thing is that you have to have a product. Um, but, you know, I, I love the concept of, you know, just having that basic website. And, and it's funny, I'm getting ready to redesign a site. And, and so, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot. You know, it used to be, and, and used to be as in <clears throat> five years ago, that it was very complicated to build websites and you had to hire somebody and, and pay them thousands of dollars. And so many business owners, especially if they've been, say, working for corporate America or, you know, something like that, that is still the impression that they have. So let's start with how in the heck do you design a basic but nice website? Okay, so you have two options. The first is um, you can set up like a use a, a store like a, a Squarespace. I'm sure most people have ever heard of that, where mm -hmm. they just you know it's like a drop a design a drag and drop tools where you can where you can create your own website. Now, okay. if you're gonna sell something like on products through an e-commerce site, I would recommend going with uh, Shopify. Uh, basically, you pay thirty bucks a month, and mm -hmm. what you end up with, they do all the technical stuff. You just find your products. You upload them to the site, you update a few features, change a few colors around, add some text. It's really simple. You don't need any mm -hmm. programming skills. And then after that, they handle all the technical stuff, including payment processing and all this stuff. Mm -hmm. So really, it, anyone can do it. Like you, you need you know, a computer, basic technical skills. Uh, and it's fun because you're going figure to figure it out on the fly. The third mm -hmm. option is if you want to just, you know, you want something that's completely your own, you get a mm -hmm. WordPress site, you install WooCommerce, and you know. And again, I'm, I'm talking technical stuff here, but the great thing, as you said, was a few years ago, you'd have to pay somebody a lot of money to right. do all this stuff. It's all changed now. So mm -hmm. I use a site called Upwork, where you can outsource mm -hmm. just about anything, and I literally mm -hmm. outsource everything. Right. Um, you can pay somebody in India like $300 to say, mm -hmm. hey, this is a website that I, I want it to look like exactly like this other site that I saw. Can you make it mm -hmm. happen? And they'll do it mm -hmm. for you for less than 300 bucks. And you can right. tell them, hey, change this, change that, update this content, update update these product pictures. 
So mm -hmm. your three options, just to summarize, are you can go with Square, Squarespace where you pay a monthly fee and it's drag and drop features. Uh, you can go with Shopify where they handle all the technical stuff. You just choose a theme, you upload a few products, enter the price, enter some content, and you're off and running. And the third option is you do something on your own. Uh, and if you're not a technical person, then you can just hire someone through Upwork in India or China or anywhere else to, to mm -hmm. make you a website. And it's really that simple. There's, you know, you don't want to put too much thought into it. Like, again, like, as we were talking about earlier, is uh, the, the, the habit that most people fall into when they make a website is they try to get it to be perfect, which we talked about mm -hmm. saying, you know, maybe that's not the best thing. Just get it up and running and, mm -hmm. uh, and see what happens. And you can always improve it. Um, and just a couple of other things you're going to need. So if you're going to go with Shopify or Squarespace, you have to do nothing. You literally just sign up for their service and they'll walk you through the steps. If you mm -hmm. do it on your own, you're going to need to purchase a domain. You're going to need to get hosting. You're talking, you know, hosting costs you maybe seven to eight dollars a month when you start out. A domain mm -hmm. costs you ten dollars a year. So your startup costs are really minimal. Right. You know, and, and I think that's one of the things that scares people the most is is they do think it's going to cost a lot. You know, and and I actually remember you. You may be too young, but I remember when to register a URL, it was seventy five dollars. Wow! No, and and you had to go through one company. There was just one company, and because it was still not government controlled, but that was that was back when you know the internet was first invented. <laughs> not quite that long ago, but but yeah, and and so it was expensive because you had to to register it and and things like that. And now, I mean, you can hit some sales, and depending on the the name that you want, it can be as you know, it can be under ten dollars to register a URL, and then you know you have to re-register, or you have to you know pay a fee every year to to keep that. But it's it's not like it goes up to seventy five dollars. It stays cheap. Um, I knew I was talking with somebody the other day who they registered uh, their domain name for ten years because they you know they they want it to be an ongoing business, and it was a dollar a year. <laughs> yeah, that's the worst, kept, so, that's the worst yeah. kept secret on on these domains is all you have to do is uh, just go to Google and mm -hmm. uh, just type in one dollar domain sale. You'll right. find all these providers if it's your first time. And I'll share a little tip with you. Um, what you can do is so let's say uh, you use a company called One in One. I use One in One all the time. So mm -hmm. I type in one dollar domain. I register a domain. Now let's mm -hmm. say I want to register a second domain, and I own like. I've lost track of how many domains I own. Because as you think of them, you buy Absolutely. them. Absolutely. But I always buy them for a dollar. The problem is when you uh, when you try to buy uh, the second domain for a dollar, the account is going to tell you that, well, you already got the promotion for a dollar, so we can't offer ah. it to you. However, what you can do is just enter a different email address. So right. if your email address is uh, xyz at gmail.com, you can just put a dot between the X and the Y. And mm -hmm. it still goes to your inbox, but the company won't recognize that it's, a, it's right. the same email address. So if you if you register your first domain using xyz at gmail.com, you can create a second domain with x.yz.com at gmail.com. Mm -hmm. And that way, uh, you got, the email will still go to your regular inbox and the company right. won't recognize that it's a new, it's a, it's a, it's the same account. So you mm -hmm. can just keep registering them for a dollar as long as you want. Mm-hmm. Well, and you know, so so we've gotten to you know, we we've now purchased our cheap domain name, and part of that, you know, you you mentioned that we can go through some other sites and not even have our own URL. Some of that might depend on kind of your long term goals. You know, if this is something that you might turn into a true business that's going to be you know the the major source of your income, then you know we're you know for branding purposes and marketing and things like that, you might want to start with it you know, being your own name, but you can obviously transition later. And so, you know, that's, it's not a huge decision to have to make, but if you do decide to go with your own, you know, WordPress is hello folks. You absolutely have to use WordPress. Um, I think the latest stat is that one in four websites in the world are built on WordPress. And that may even be, uh, you know, too small because WordPress is so easy to use. And, and the trick of course, with that is you have to, there's, there's two different WordPress and we're not going to get real technical here, but there's, there's free and there's hosted free is, you know, free. And, and the other one is free also. It just means that you can personalize your URL and your host has to be able to accept it. So, you know, again, easy peasy. I mean, I pay less than a hundred dollars a year for my website hosting, you know, not a month, folks, under a hundred a year for my WordPress website. 
Yeah, and just to quickly expand on what you were saying, I'm glad you brought that up, the difference between WordPress, uh, WordPress.com and WordPress.org. So if anyone's listening out there, uh, as Deb said, all you have to do is go to WordPress, uh, you get a host, wherever it may be, you're going to pay about 6 to $7 a month for that, right? So under $100 a year. Um, mm -hmm. You're going to, whichever host you have, they'll be able to install WordPress for you. Right. Yes. And once you install it, you pick a theme, you get going. Now, here's the mm -hmm. thing. It's have fun with it. Right. And like, don't be afraid to make mistakes. Worst case, mm -hmm. you break the site. You're not going to break the Internet. Right. right? You're not going to break that. Right. Power Seems like you might break the Internet, but no, not so much. Absolutely. So you just, you know, have it installed. And if you mess up, no problem. Restart all over again. There are tons of videos on YouTube that will walk you through the process of setting up a website. And most mm -hmm. people I talk to, once they get past like the technical stuff, they end up having fun doing it. The other mm -hmm. option is you can register a free site with WordPress.com. The only mm -hmm. thing is with that is you won't be able to completely customize it. And the analogy right. I often use is if you're going to use WordPress.com, that's like staying in a dorm room where mm -hmm. you get the basics, you get, you know, uh, room and boarding, but you know, you can break down walls where if you want to decorate or whatever, mm -hmm. you're kind of, you know, confined to their rules. Whereas right. if you install WordPress on your own host, it's like owning your own home. So you can do whatever you want with them. You can build any mm -hmm. type of site you want. Right. Now talk to us about what a theme is. And, and you know, I know what a theme is, but talk to the people who are going, oh my gosh, uh, what's a theme? So, um, you know, maybe like 10, 10 to 15 years ago, um, themes have been around forever, but 10 to 15 years ago, if you wanted to build a website, you had two options. You can code it yourself, which mm -hmm. I don't think, not, not, I don't want to do it. I don't think you do either. And most people listen I know. To I don't want to know how to make something bold by doing HTML backslash B. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm in the same boat as you. Um, and then the other option is you were able to use a theme. The problem with the theme was they were always ugly. So a theme is just like a pre-designed template of a website, right? Mm -hmm. So most WordPress sites, I mean, there are thousands of themes available. So you, you, all you have to do is say, I'm going to buy this theme. You can pay 50 bucks for it, install it, and your website is basically done. And you mm -hmm. can customize the theme. So uh, you can change the colors. You can change the fonts. You can change the pictures. So the framework is done for you. You know, it's, mm -hmm. it's literally like just, you know, you can bake your own cake if you want. Um, right. you know, buy all or the you ingredients, can buy the box. or you can go to a nice mm -hmm. bakery and just buy something that, you know, mm -hmm. that's really good. And right. so, you know, like I don't have time to like get the eggs and the flour and, and figure out how to do it. And I'm kind of a klutz in the kitchen. So, um, you know, I could do it. I can probably figure it out eventually, but I'd rather just go and buy a nice gourmet cake for 30 or 40 bucks, whatever they charge these days and, and have like, you know, an awesome experience basically. Um, and so themes now, uh, and Squarespace offers them, Shopify offers them, WordPress has them. They've become so advanced that, I mean, there's not a thing you can do to it. Oh. I mean, it's and, and it's almost overwhelming when you really are thinking about it. And, and I mean, it truly is because there, and there's anything from free to, you know, things that cost. And, and again, we're not talking a lot, folks. I think I spent $59 for my theme. And that's that's just a one-time purchase. It's not a renewal or anything like that. So again, we're keeping it very inexpensive, but you can get overwhelmed. And so I love the, the trick that you have to help people, and you talked about this in your book, um, but you, you, you know, kind of how to narrow down finding a theme. Yeah. I mean, what happens is, you know, and I fall victim to this all the time is there are so many themes available that um, it's hard to pick one, right? Right. We get caught up in the ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh, and then pretty soon we've looked at a thousand themes and we don't remember which one we like. Absolutely. And, and you know, if, if you've ever tried to like paint a room in, a, in your home or something, you know what happens when you go to like a store that sells paint, you have like 300 different shades of blue and you overthink it, right? And you spend three right. hours and then it turns out, like, mm -hmm. you know, you pick the very first one that you like. So right. I, and then you think, wait, I want green. And then you just start over. <laughs> and then you hate it when you get home and, and, and anyways, mm -hmm. right? So what happens, what I suggest to people is just pick like three or four that catch your eye, like the ones that pop out initially. Um, mm -hmm. Just pick three or four and then narrow it down by just seeing what features are available. The more features mm -hmm. you have, the more you'll be able to customize your site. Mm -hmm. But don't overthink it. Go to a site right. like themeforest.com. Um, select which one, select your platform. So whether it's WordPress, Shopify, or any other platform. 
pick the three that really stand out, read the comments, as long as there's positive feedback, the people are, you know, the, the author of the theme is answering technical issues, uh, mm -hmm. and then just go with it, right? You know, you can always change the theme later on. Right. Um, once you've learned how to use WordPress or whatever platform you're using, get familiar with it. Um, don't overthink it. Create a basic website. Try to copy the theme as best you can. Don't try to change too many things. Get it up and running and let the mm -hmm. customers and the reviews and get feedback from friends and family. Let them do all the work, right? But right. don't overthink it. Don't spend right. hours and hours trying to figure out, you know, should I make my button green or should I make it red? Mm -hmm. Well, and, you know, there there are certain things that um, you have to have on them, you know, and, and, and you talk about those in the book. You know, you need a basic logo and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second. Um, but one of the things that I did discover with WordPress themes is I, you know, we mentioned there are free ones, but I decided to go with the ones that I paid for. And I use ThemeForest because you do get better customer and technical support if you've got a problem. Um, and, you know, and, and, and again, folks, it's cheap, you know, and, and, and you can outsource that also, you know, so you might decide that you want, you know, pretty seven, I'm making this up as your theme. But then you can have someone else actually lay it out. And, um, you know, and, and Sean talked about some of those resources. You know, there's there's tons of them out there. I use Fiverr. Um, now, I've never used them to completely design a website, but I love Fiverr. Um, and, you know, there's uh, there's so many places that you can go to. Or you can actually have, you know, depending on what you want to do. I mean, you might want to have it a little bit more more technical. I love playing with it myself. And that's one of my problems is... I like playing with it and that's not really the best use of my time, um, you know, and, and so that's where it does make sense to outsource it. And in your book, you talk, you know, you list some examples of how to outsource because the, of course the important thing is when you're outsourcing, it's just, you know, they are an employee of yours. I mean, you know, not technically an employee, but you're paying them to, to do the work. And so you have to explain very carefully what it is you're looking for, what outcome, what your deadline is, all of those various things. Yeah, um, just to kind of walk you through the, the, the process of outsourcing. And, uh, you know, earlier I said that I can, you know, if I want a cake, I can bake it or I can right. uh, I can buy it. Um, it's the same thing. Like I can, I can mow my own lawn, but if, mm -hmm. uh, I have a million different things to do. I have three kids. I have a family. So, you know, like I, I'd rather just pay somebody like 15, 20 bucks to do it for me. So, mm -hmm. and I can design my own website, but... It's, as you said, time is valuable, especially for entrepreneurs because you're doing so many things, right? You have so right. much to take care of. So don't get caught up with your website. So the mm -hmm. process is, you, you mentioned Fiverr, which I've had mixed experiences with. Right. You, and, and you have to research it very well to make sure you're getting the right person. Yeah. And, but I mean, pay a, if you can pay a little bit more, um, and I think like anywhere from two to $300 is reasonable. You can find an mm -hmm. agency in India and, and the site that I use is Upwork, formerly mm -hmm. called Odesk. Uh, Mm -hmm. So the process is simple. You create an account on Upwork. You enter your you enter your credit card information. Mm -hmm. uh, you post a job saying, "Hey, I need to build a website based on which platform." Now that platform can be Shopify, WordPress, or all the other ones we talked about. Uh, mm -hmm. And here's what I'm looking for. And say, look, I have a website. I'm not a very technical person. I would like you to make the website. You're going to have to install the software. You're going to have to set it up. You're going to have to upload the products. I will provide you with all the content. I will provide you with the product pictures. You need to make it look pretty. Um, mm -hmm. And here's a reference website that I really like. Um, and I want, you, I, would, I want you to make it as close as this to po as possible. Right. And then you say, okay, now run with it. Now the person, it's mm -hmm. his responsibility. And if you hire like, like an agency in India, they'll have like six, seven people help, working on this at a time. And they'll be able to right. do this in no time at all. And so once it's done, you know, you see, you look at the side, you work with your contractor to say, okay, I change this, change that. I want you to change the font color here. Uh, please move this around. Uh, and they'll be able to, if needed, and that's one of the great things about WordPress is you can completely customize it because the code is yours. Now, right. You know, I don't want to go in the back and touch the code. I'd rather have an expert do that. And I, that person, if needed, he will be able to update the code and make whatever changes you want. Mm -hmm. But again, if you hire someone, we're talking like 250 bucks. For 250 right. bucks, you're going to get a great agency, somebody that would mm -hmm. charge thousands of dollars locally. Um, right. And they will look at every possible thing, right? And then you just mm -hmm. say, look, um, in the contract, you're going to say, I'm going to need ongoing support. So what that means is you say you're going to do the job, but you're going to have to stay on board for at least a month to show, answer mm -hmm. my questions, to show me how things are done. If I need you to change something small, you're going to have to do that. And you put that all in the contract. 
You mm-hmm. post a job and within minutes, you're going to get hundreds of applicants. Oh, I know. It's amazing. Yeah. Um, it's truly amazing because, you know, there's so much talent out there in the world and there are people who are willing to work for a lot less than what we're charging. Now, I don't want to get mm-hmm. the, you know, the, the whole argument of outsourcing and stuff like that. But as I said, you know, the goal of a minimum viable product business is to minimize costs. And this is one way to do it. Right. So, you know, if, let's say, again, we're working with that thousand dollar budget. You've till to date, you've spent what you spent a dollar on your domain. If you got a host, you spend about $70 for the year on that, and you spend $250 to $300 for your website. And so you still have enough budget left over to focus on all the other things. Right. You know, and, and for someone who doesn't want to outsource, there are other options um, that, I mean, you know, granted, you can pay in, uh, quite a bit here in the, the States, but I know somebody who outsources all of their blog posts to college students, to business college students. Um, you know, and, and so, you know, say you're uh, working on your website, contact your local community college, you know, a technical college, places like that who, you know, not, you, you might not have to pay very much and they're going to get course credit for it. So, you know, it's, it is, there's definitely options out there. You know, you just have to spend a little bit of time exploring them. Yeah, glad you brought that up because I didn't even think of that going to my uh, going to local colleges. That's uh, that's a really good idea. I managed, actually have to look into that. So thanks for the tip. Oh, I'll be in your next book. Yeah, perfect. Um, uh, the only thing I would recommend for for content is uh, try to find local people. That's something right. you don't want to outsource to like other countries just because mm-hmm. there's a language barrier and mm-hmm. you know like English is our first language, but it's not someone else's. Right. So there's some nuances mm-hmm. that you know may not get picked up. Well, and, and, you know, just some little things, I mean, I, you know, between say you and I, because U.S. and Canadian, um, you know, the, the Queen's English in Canada spells things a little bit different than we do down here, like color and, you know, and so you just have to kind of look at some of those things and, and realize, yeah, it's not that you're, you, you do have to double check whatever it is that's going up, you know, whether it's your graphic, whether it's your text, you know, it's your business, make sure that it is correct. Yeah, and and you know, and I want to use the term loosely, but you you are a as an entrepreneur, you are a CEO, and so you yes. can't have to you can't you can't do every little thing, right? Mm-hmm. But you're ultimately responsible for everything that right. goes up. So as you mm-hmm. said, you know, just take a few minutes, read through uh, what's being posted, make sure there aren't any spelling mistakes, make sure the sentence structure is correct. Uh, mm-hmm. But yeah, as you said, you know, like you you have to be able to find resources. You can't do everything yourself. So mm-hmm. content has to be outsourced. Um, your website has to be outsourced. As as many things as you can that you know, let somebody else do. As long as they're not required to be there in person, sitting next to you, right? You should be able to outsource that. Right. Well, and the the thing about this too is, you know, we may be talking to people here on the program who this is just something extra that they're doing to make some more money. So they've got a nine to five job, they've got a family, they've got a personal life. And so they've got an extra 15 minutes of their day, you know, and, and so by having someone else do the vast majority of these projects, it actually gets done, you know, and, and because I think that's the the problem that so many people run into is they've got this great idea, you know, of something that they want to do, but they simply don't have the time and the knowledge to implement it and, and probably never stop to think, Hey, I could pay somebody for them to do it. And it's not going to cost me a fortune. Absolutely. I mean, uh, you know, again, I'm sure you and I can figure out by watching videos on YouTube how to change the car oil. Right. Right. But do I want to do that? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Because what's going to end up happening is it's going to take us five hours. We'll end up with oil everywhere. Uh, The car may not turn on. Uh, Eventually, I'll probably figure it out and get things, you know, get things going. But do I really want to waste that time? And and, Mm -hmm. time is it's for every entrepreneur whether you're whether you're a CEO or you're working out of your garage, time is a premium, right? So, right. It's, and it really it is a race, right? So you have mm-hmm. to get up and going as fast as you can. Uh, and as you said, you know, if you can save time, five minutes, shave off five minutes of your day, um, then just do it. You know, get somebody else to do it. As long right. as the quality is there, uh, just just you know, outsource whatever you can. Right. You know, and, and we do that, no, you know, in our lives, you know, we, we hire a doctor, we hire a dentist, you know, a car mechanic, as you were mentioning, all those various things. And, you know, it, it's just the way to get the stuff done. I was talking to another guest and he was saying, you know, you might be able to learn how to do surgery by YouTube, but do you really want to? 
Well, uh, that's uh, that's something that uh, I'll definitely ask my doctor or next time if I ever have to go for surgery. I know. Him, did you learn? Like you, you didn't learn this on YouTube, did you? <laughs> but but yeah, you know, it's and and we joke, but it really is true. It, you know, you can outsource so much of this, and whether you're truly outsourcing it out of the United States or just outsourcing it out of your basement, you know, find somebody to do the work for you so that you can focus on what's really important, and that is the, the getting the 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 product that, you know, things like that up and running so that it actually can function. Yeah. I said speed is the name of the game. So you got to get up and going and, and don't try to make it perfect. Let's, you know, uh, it's, it's, you have to, you have to do it really fast, make it viable and figure out the rest on the fly. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then we were talking at the start of the program, you analyze it, you know, did this work? What didn't work? And maybe some of it is how the website was set up. You know, if you didn't have a call to action. Hello, folks. You need a call to action as in buy from me. Click here. Sign up. All of those things. Maybe you didn't have something like that. Okay. People aren't going to buy if they have to hunt for it. So, you know, maybe it's that you need to redesign your website. Or maybe it is that you picked a product that nobody's really interested in. Doesn't mean that it's not going to work in some other iteration. So, you know, you just keep kind of keep having to try it over and over again. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up the, the call to action. Uh, as, as I tell people, um, you have to pretend that every one of your, your visitors on your site or your customer is a five-year-old child. Right? right. And you have to really walk them through the process, big, bold button saying buy here, click here. Um, mm-hmm. It's just... You know, it's 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 the it's the it's the cause and effect of the internet where people have just become accustomed to certain things and they're they're used to being walked through a process. You know, right. you could be a PhD student, um, you know, rocket scientist, whatever, but for some reason, when it comes to using the internet, we're all in the same boat. We're all dumb, and we just need right. to be. We our hands need to be held, and you have to walk through the process. And like I said, it doesn't matter whether you're the world's smartest person or you're just, you know, uh, a teenager uh, who's, you know, shopping for the first time online, but the process is always the same and we've just become accustomed to seeing mm-hmm. things in a certain way. So call to actions are extremely important. Right. You know, and, and we're all very busy. And so, you know, we need to remember that it's it's the old, you know, keep it simple process. If somebody has to click multiple times, especially to buy something, they're not going to. You know, and and then the problem is if they if your competitor makes it easier, they're going to go to the competitor. Yeah, and it's the rule of five seconds, where uh, you know if you can't capture your 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 uh, customer's attention in the first five seconds of their visit, they're just going to mm-hmm. leave and go somewhere else. Right. You know, and and that's where it might be good to you know once you've got your your website up and running, have some of your friends look at it. You know, because we all know what we want it to do, what we want it to say. And, and, and we get caught up in that and forget that we didn't make it simple or that the person um, who, you know, gets confused easily, you know, uh, we need to, to really make sure that it's the person that we're writing the website for is the person who's going to spend the money, you know, and, and not ourselves, you know, we, we need to make it simple for somebody to, you know, at least think about spending money, if not actually spend money. And if we get so caught up in, you know, oh, this has to be pretty and I like that on that website, so it has to be here. You know, again, keep it simple, folks. You can always add later, but you got to capture them first. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and then like we've talked about this at length. It's, it's uh, you know, get up and get up and as as fast as possible and, and the mm-hmm. idea is is it's again it's the minimum viable right so you just have to do the least amount or the minimum amount amount that um makes you don't want to throw something that's just hideously ugly right right, right. But it's again if it's if it's viable if it's the word i say is decent um mm-hmm. you know one of my favorite books to read uh was malcolm gladwell's uh, outliers and mm-hmm. he dedicated a whole section to you know is it really worth spending hundreds of thousands of dollars to go to an Ivy League school. And the right. point he makes is, well, yeah, I mean, if you're going to be an exceptional student, then great, you know, go to Harvard mm-hmm. or whatever and pay the hundreds of thousands of dollars. But mm-hmm. the fact is, if you go to a, a school that's, you know, pretty good and has like a, a good academic standing, uh, it's not necessarily an Ivy League school, but you save hundreds of thousands of dollars, you know, chances are you're going to end up with the same situation had you got had you been average student at Harvard or anywhere else. Right. And I use this mm-hmm. as an example because I didn't go to an Ivy League school. I went to a pretty decent school, and 
you know, things that worked out pretty well for me. Like I got a good mm -hmm. job in aerospace and, you know, um, I got into entrepreneurship, but I don't know that things would have been that much different had I gone to Harvard really, because I would have been probably at Harvard at the bottom of the barrel. Whereas in my class, my, my school, I was the average student and I was mm -hmm. find success that way. I mean, he, right. he did it. He goes into far more in depth, but if you use that same philosophy and, you know, not just business, but everything, um, mm -hmm. It's, it's, you know, you have to do something that you don't have to be like the best or the expert in anything. The goal is to mm -hmm. be the best and be the expert, but it's not going to come right away. Work your, there's nothing wrong with uh, just working hard, putting your nose to the ground and just working your way up. Mm -hmm. Right. So, you know, we, we've got our website and, you know, things like that. But in your book, you talk about product sourcing. So what is that? Because that sounds kind of complicated. So this is actually what I, what I, what's my passion is product sourcing. Um. So we talked about earlier about, you know, just going to a garage sale and finding products. Mm -hmm. That is product sourcing. Product sourcing is just finding products to sell. Right. Uh, so it's not something that I've created with my blood, sweat, and tears. No, absolutely not. I mean, you know, again, uh, just to give you a little bit of background about myself, um, I, I started, you know, with the hockey sticks, and then I got into buying products uh, from China, and then I got into creating a private label. A private label is taking an existing product and slapping your label on it. You'd be mm -hmm. surprised at how many things are private labels. You know, like there are companies that makes t they make TVs, they make iPad, not iPads, they make uh, uh, like tablets. Uh, they, they're into everything. You know, mm -hmm. um, now these companies don't necessarily make that product. And the perfect example is if you go to Walmart, right, and you find uh, Walmart has a private label for just about everything. You buy the name right. brand and then you buy the generic brand. Walmart's mm -hmm. clothing uh, private label is called George, I think. Uh, mm -hmm. Their their food pri uh, private label is called Great Value. Now, mm -hmm. Walmart is not in the farming business. They don't own a bunch right. of farms. All they do is mm -hmm. they go to a, a manufacturer of foods or whatever it is, and they say, here's my label, stick it on, ship it to us. And mm -hmm. that, that company that you know made the package of whatever it is, peas or, or salami or whatever it is, mm -hmm. they're doing it for like 10 other companies. So Target, right. Walmart, Costco, it, they could all be using the same private label. In fact, mm -hmm. Costco's private label is Kirkland, which is probably one of the most popular ones out there. Right? Mm -hmm. They're not in the business of making clothes or in groceries. They use the service of a private label. A private mm -hmm. label is so easy to do because you just go to a, a site like Alibaba, for example, which is based in mm -hmm. China. You say, hey, I like this product. I'm going to order, let's say, 100 to start with. Order mm -hmm. 100 and say, okay, you know what? These salts, what I'm going to do now is I want instead of putting whatever labels on there, here's my logo. Just slap it on and create mm -hmm. your own private label. It's really that right. simple. And and we're not talking about you go and buy something and then, you know, stick your own label on top of that. It It is part of the process. So, you know, to, to actually have it made that way because, hello, you have to do this legally. Um, but but it is it's a fairly simple process that I'm sure many people never stop to think about until, say, you use the example of Walmart or Target who has their own brand. And yeah, you know, they're not making that. They're buying it from somebody else. And and I love it when people say, well, you know, this tastes just like, you know, major name brand product. Well, it's because it is. <laughs> they just, they put their label on it or they, they had their label put on it is, is actually the more appropriate way to say it. Absolutely. And I, I believe, I could be wrong here. I think it's Johnson & Johnson or another famous company, a pretty big company that's actually doing their own private label. So... Mm -hmm. um, you know, if you buy like, uh, like, uh, diapers, for example, um, you have a company that makes it, but they'll also make the private label. So they'll sell it to products like Walmart or uh, companies like Walmart or any other, anybody mm -hmm. else and say, look, if you order, you know, 150,000 units, we'll put whatever label you want to put it on. Now mm -hmm. the shift is, you know, again, 10 years ago, if you wanted to create a private label, you can find somebody and they'll say, yeah, we'll do it. But you have to order 100,000 units. Right. And, you know, I'm like, I don't have a million dollars to just throw away here, especially mm -hmm. if I don't even know if it's going to work, if it's really going to sell. But mm -hmm. now, with you know, sites like Alibaba, um, you know, you can you can get away with ordering just a handful of units. Uh, and mm -hmm. if you play your cards right and learn how to negotiate and find the right suppliers, I, I've done this where I've literally ordered one product. And mm -hmm. a private label on that. I, I basically right. negotiated that with the supplier and saying, hey, look, I, I know you guys uh, sell in lots, but here's the mm -hmm. deal. Like, I'll, I'll buy one to test it out. Um, mm -hmm. And if I like it, I'll order 500, right? Mm -hmm. um, and, and again, you know, maybe 10 years ago, we couldn't do that because we didn't have the, the means to communicate with suppliers from all over the world. Mm-hmm. 
You know, and and it's a great way, you know, as, as we were talking, you know, several times through the program to actually test to see if the product is viable. You know, so you, you have somebody else make it, you get it in a small enough quantity so that, you you know, you're not taking up your entire basement with it. And then if it works, it works. If it doesn't, well, you know, you've only got five of them. So you sell four of them, you know, in your garage sale. Absolutely. And, and just a couple of more tips. If you are going to source products, uh, whether it's a private label or it's arbitrage, a couple of things to keep in mind just to, again, keep, uh, stick with the minimum viable product business model is try to get a product that fits in a shoebox. And the reason I say that is because uh, if you get a, a product that's too big, it becomes a hassle to ship. It becomes right. a hassle to get it shipped to you, and then it's even harder for you to ship it to your customer. Um, mm-hmm. And you spend all your money in shipping. Exactly. Um, also, if you know you want to avoid like things like electronics because the margins are so low, uh, mm-hmm. I generally don't... easy to break. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I would generally avoid things like foods and drinks just because you know our standards in, in the U.S. and Canada are a little bit different from other right. other places. So you don't want to do anything that could get someone sick, and you know you're liable for whatever mm-hmm. reason. Uh, and then also baby products is something I don't I don't go to mm-hmm. just because. Uh, you know, the risk of something going wrong, you know, it's low, but if it happens, I don't want to be responsible for that. Right, right. So, you know. And, you know, and that's where it's important to have incorporated and taken legal steps and, and all of those things. And, yeah. and um, you know, it's that that's obviously an entire program unto itself. Yeah. And, and you know, even with the incorporation and all that stuff, you know, it, it is important, don't get me wrong, but that's kind of like, you know, that's steps three and four. Uh, the right. first thing is just get the product going. Like, you know, mm-hmm. in an incorporation, you're talking maybe 200 bucks at your your local uh, local uh, chamber of commerce website. Mm-hmm. Um, there are there are other sites out there that'll even do it for you for a small fee. You know, mm-hmm. again, you're, you're talking minimal expenses. People think that it's really complicated, and you know, we just in the past hour we've been talking about how little it costs to do all these things. People used to think right. domains are 75 dollars. We we show them how to get it for a dollar. Hosting mm-hmm. used to be a couple hundred dollars. It turns out it's only 75 dollars. Uh, mm-hmm. Product sourcing you can get from just about anywhere, and now you talk about incorporation. Um, you know, you're talking like two hundred dollars. So altogether, you know, it's minimal investment. Right, point. right. We're still under a thousand dollars. Yeah, right. Well, now you know we talked about having a product that's small enough to fit in a shoebox and all of those things. But in your book, you also talk about drop shipping. So. What's that entail? So drop shipping was really popular five, six years ago. The, the process is pretty simple. Uh, you find a supplier uh, and then you take that product and put it on your own website or eBay or Amazon or wherever you want. When you get the sale, you call your supplier up or email them and say, hey, I'm sending you 50 bucks and you ship the product straight to the customer. Now, mm-hmm. the way you make money is you keep the difference between what you charge your customer and what you pay for the product. So right. let's say you're drop shipping shoes. You have mm-hmm. an agreement with your supplier to say, I'm going to buy these shoes for you for $50. Mm-hmm. And then you go on Amazon or eBay or on your own site and you put them for $80. So you just mm-hmm. made $30 for really, right. I don't want to say do nothing because there's a lot of work involved in maintaining the website mm-hmm. and marketing. But the drop shipper, the, the actual supplier is the one who's going to handle all the logistics. He's going to package it. He's going to ship it to the customer. If there's a return, it's going to come right back to him. Now, the customer mm-hmm. doesn't need to know this, nor does he care because at the end of the day, He just wants the product. Exactly. He paid for a product. He got exactly what he wanted. He's happy. You made 30 bucks for being the middleman, and the supplier is happy because you handled all the marketing. You handle all the you know customer interface. And they get mm-hmm. to ship a product. And there are tons of companies out there that do drop shipping. Um, right. it, the only thing is, is it's gotten extremely competitive, so the margins aren't what they used to be. Uh, mm-hmm. What I recommend for people is if they want to find a drop shipper, the best thing to do is go to your local like industrial area and just find you know a, a store that sells products wholesale and explain to them what a drop shipping what a drop shipper does because a lot of people don't know, especially mm-hmm. if you're an older business, you're used to doing things a certain way. Right, and a, an example that I had was I had a, a client that basically wanted to create a website, and he wanted all mm-hmm. these things. They used to sell fitness mats, like gym mm-hmm. mats that go to schools and stuff like that. But you know, this was like I don't want to say an elderly couple, but you know, they were like a little bit older. And, right, so it's a little challenging. Yeah, and and so I said, look, you know, you can build a website, but let me ask you, do you know anything about marketing? Like, who's going to do all this for you? Right, mm-hmm. I'm like, and and I see like they were really busy, so it's not like they had time to like learn all this stuff. 
And, you know, we talked and they said, okay, uh, what are the options? I'm like, okay, so look, I can build you the website. I will help you with the marketing. I'll do all this. But, it, you know, you have to be able to invest your time and money into this. And then mm -hmm. I said, the other option is, hey, you know, why don't you just be a drop shipper? And that's what they did. Mm -hmm. So they explained to them what drop shipping is. So we built the website. We did all the marketing. We handled all the customer interface. And every time we got an order, I just call them up and say, hey, Gunther, you got to ship out this. Sh this is the address it's going to. I'm sending you the money via PayPal right now and just get it out the door. And it mm -hmm. was a win-win situation for everyone. Right. You know, and, and I mean, you mentioned everybody does it. Well, you know, you go to Amazon's site. And, and they're doing that because you'll see in tiny little print, this product provided by, you know, or, you know, X company. And, and, or when you look at the boxes, you know, it, it, and, and it's funny because they've gotten more and more into that. You know, I might go and buy four things at once and, you know, it used to be that it all came in one box because it came from Amazon, but now it comes in four boxes because it's come from four different places. And Amazon was just kind of the middleman that handled the order processing. Yeah, and it's, you know, it's really popular now, fulfillment by Amazon. So when you, buy, when you shop on Amazon and you see, you see that little Prime button, what that mm -hmm. means is the products come from Amazon's warehouse. That doesn't mean it's right. from Amazon, though. It doesn't mean right. Amazon made the product or ordered it. Mm -hmm. So it could, be, it could be like just people like you and I, we say, okay, Amazon, I'm shipping you 100 products. Um, and they're going to tell you where to ship it to. They'll store it in their warehouse. And then when the order comes through, they will ship it to the customer. So they, they're mm -hmm. just the middleman. They stored it for you. Right. Right. Uh, the other option is Amazon is purely a middleman where they won't even store it for you. So if you buy a product and it doesn't have that prime button on it, it's actually coming from somebody else. And Amazon is mm -hmm. just a middle person to set up the transaction. Right. You know, and, and, you know, granted, Amazon has, you know, millions of dollars to do this, but it's easy to do it yourself. Yeah, without a doubt. Uh, as I said, you know, the easiest thing you can do is find, there are directories and sites that, that offer drop shipping. The margins are low, but, mm -hmm. you know, if, if you work in a, in a, in a, you know, even a small city, you're going to have these little boutique stores that have unique products. So just talk mm -hmm. to them and say, hey, look, there's nothing, there's no risk involved, right? Because right. I'm going to send you the money before you even ship the product. Explain mm -hmm. to them what it is, give them the benefits, and it's really easy to find. It's just up to you to actually you know, walk around the neighborhood and see what's out there. Uh, but mm -hmm. I said the best target is find companies that have been in your neighborhood for a long time um, who don't, you know, it could be a small like mom and pop operation where they just don't have the time to do the website and marketing mm -hmm. and just make it convenient for them and say, look, I'll handle right. all that stuff. All you have to do is ship, ship the product to the customer and I send mm -hmm. you the money and that's it. Mm -hmm. Right. I was just thinking, you know, a good place uh, to, to go might be your local craft festivals or farmers markets because, you know, you, they've got some absolutely phenomenal products. But they have absolutely no idea what to do with them besides go to farmers market or the craft festivals. Yeah, and that, that's that's a great idea, and you know it's 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 that line of thinking that I think people of this generation really, especially if you're under the age of like 20 and you're still in school and you gotta find ways to like you know pay for whatever things you're paying for these days, um, is that line of thinking where you just say, look, I'm gonna go to places where maybe my competitor won't be, right? And I'll mm -hmm. find something that other pe other people aren't looking. And it's like you said, you talk to somebody and say, hey. I'd like to offer this service to people. You don't have to do anything really other than shipping the product. I handle everything um, and, and show them the benefits, right? It's, it's, if you mm -hmm. come to them and say, hey, this is what I want to do, they might say yes, they might say no. But if you show them the benefit and say, look, there's no right. risk for you, mm -hmm. there's no reason for them to say no. Right. You know, and we've been talking about your book, um, which is e-commerce MVP, and it really does spell that out. So you can go to those people or you can, you can do it yourself and, and you can say, here are the steps that we're going to take and, and start making money. So you know, we've, we've, we're at the top of the hour. I can't believe it because we really have just scratched the surface and we haven't gone through all the steps. So what we want is for people to uh, be able to connect with you and find your book online. So Sean, tell people how they find you. Well, the easiest way is just go to my website, ecommercemvp.com. From there, you can contact me via email. I have a link to my Facebook page, Twitter, email, uh, LinkedIn, and I usually respond to messages immediately. And I'll tell you what, Deb, um, you know, it's been so much fun here. Uh, what I'll do is if any one of your listeners want a free copy of my book, all they have to do is go to the contact form, send me an email. And just say, hey, I heard you on the, the Mile High radio station, and uh, I'll give them a free copy, and I'll do that for the first 50 people. 
Wow, thank you so much. And and I do encourage people to get this book because it, it step by step in easy to follow steps. This is not, you know, it's it, you know, Sean, yes, is was in the aerospace industry, but the book is not rocket science. Um, you know, it's it's very easy to follow and you know, and, and one of the cool things is you talk about the budget involved, you spell it all out. It's it's a very simple process. You just have to make sure that you're doing it and in the right kind of steps to make sure that it's it is a viable business. Yeah. And I mean, like, I don't want to, I don't want anyone to have any false premises to think that this book will show them like every little detail. The idea is that it gives you a guideline. It'll, it's right. up to you. As I tell people, it's up to you to do the work. I can help you, but at the end of the day, it's up to you to do the work. This book will give you some guidance. I also on 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 through my site offer you know personal coaching services as well as uh, I'm launching a, uh, a, a comprehensive course on how to source products from Alibaba. I've already put up a few videos on YouTube and they've been pretty successful so far, but now mm -hmm. I'm getting in more detail and offering a course. Um, cool. and so that's something that's coming up. But as I said, you know, the work, it's up to you to do the work. Uh, you know, don't be disillusioned to think that, uh, anyone can just throw up a website and you're going to make money. It doesn't right. work like that. You know, there's no mm -hmm. substitute for hard work. Right. You know, and, and lots of resources in the book and on your website. And, and so, you know, I, I think it's going to be great. And, and for people who follow this process, let us know how it goes. I would love to hear about that. Absolutely. Yeah. Great. Well, I've been having a great time talking with Sean Youssef about his book, e commerce MVP. And again, his website is ecommercemvp.com. To everyone out there, have an absolutely fabulous day. Thanks for listening to the Business Power Hour, hosted by Deb Creer. Join us next time for more real-life stories and techniques to power up your business. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs> <laughs>